This is a podcast where we play Dungeons and Dragons with one less player. Oh my oh gosh. Oh my gosh. That's not cool. <laughs> that is not okay. Wow. It's actually one fewer player. <laughs> not in this part of the Thank woods. You, Alan. Thank you. We love you, Felicia. Bye, Felicia. <laughs> this intro is terrible. It's terrible. It's the best. Uh. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Make Believe Heroes. Uh, so tonight, I am your Dungeon Master, and I'm here to lead you on this 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons adventure. My name's Paul, and I'm joined tonight by three friends of mine. Hey guys, it's Jeremy, and I play Sutsaurus. I'm Jeffrey, and I play Kyorg. I am Alan, and I play Brackle. Let me just go ahead and roll this d20. <laughs> I rolled a 12. Weak. Good. It is. So last time that we gathered and played, the last episode that you all heard, our party was traveling from Sylvandale on some magically enhanced horses. They traveled twice the typical speed in the span of a day, not even a whole day. They were narrowing in on their destination, which was some unknown location to the southeast of Branchyar, I should say, where they were to meet some allies of Hope and Kill. And on their way, they were met with some resistance. They stopped for a short break, only to discover that they were being watched and then tracked and pursued by a large contingent of hot feet halflings. Gathering together in a small copse of trees to protect themselves, they realized that there was no escape. Their horses lost their magical abilities. They began to wear down very quickly, and our group were greatly outnumbered by 25, 30 members of this hotfoot gang. And there they came face to face for the first time with a particularly powerful and wicked member of the hotfeet, a leader, an assassin named the Shiv. The Shiv immediately recognized Kjorg and then Misk. And come to find out, Misk has some prior dealings with the Shiv and the Hot Feet. Kjorg challenged him to a battle to the death, and the winner would basically take all. But unfortunately, the people's champion was outmatched. For the first time. And Misk, in a last-ditch effort, agreed to sign a contract with her own blood to serve the hot feet in exchange for her friends' lives. And so Misk rode off as the sun was getting low with the Shiv and the hot feet. The three of you are currently standing, sitting, or lying down in front of this small copse of trees. There are no less than two or three of those trees that are lying down across the field where Kjorg literally just broke them down with his mace. Brackle, your leathers are covered in blood. Kjorg, you feel weak and lightheaded where you've been stabbed multiple times by the short sword of the Shiv. And Saul, your two friends, while lying there in bad shape, are not the first thing probably on your mind. You just saw your sister right away. Saul 
man, Saul's shook. Saul's mad. He's sad. He's confused. He's running over to Kjorg and... Kjorg, wake up, you big off. Who's this... Who's a Shiv? How how long has she worked for the Hot Feet? Uh, hot Feet. <laughs> You're gonna have some Hot Feet if you don't answer my questions. He's the Shiv. What does that mean? He's a boss. He's a director. That's his name. <sighs> you are no help. She's going to Brightport. Are we gonna be able to help her or not? Do you know where Brightport is? No. Very far away. I don't away. know where Branshire is. We were just there. I know the direction. I can't tell you where it's at on a map. I've never seen a map of this plane, fool. Mm. Mm. I said wake up. So I was like leaning down over him. I go back to sleep. <laughs> Gosh. Brackle. Brackle. Yes. Do you have any more of that healing magic you're struggling? I've got, I've got one more. Are you wanting to use it? Yes, I'll use it. Okay. So, I'll go over and uh, i cure some wounds. Okay. Darn it, Brackle. It's a six plus three. That's nine. Okay, Kjorg. You feel nine hit points worth of energy refill your body. Some of those cuts and wounds close up a little. You're still not nearly to full strength, but you definitely feel somewhat better. Brackle, you feel like hot garbage. Yeah, I do. Maybe you should have used that on yourself. Once Saul sees some more of Kjorg's wounds closed, he's going to, like, reach down and grab his, uh, like, the collar of his shirt. Mm-hmm. Kjorg, Kjorg, tell me. Tell me, what do you know? Is she going to be okay? I have no idea what they're going to do. <sighs> you don't understand. Okay. You're right, I don't understand. What is there to understand? If she dies in this world, she doesn't get an afterlife. It's over. It's the void. They're not going to kill her. You're sure? Did you hear what they said? That doesn't mean we should believe them. If you know them, do you you trust what they said? Not all the time. (sighs) So what do we do? We go and kill every last hot foot, hot feet, hot Hot foot's good. Potato. (laughs) We go and kill every last hot foot there is, cleanse this realm of their plague. But first, we need to find Brianna. We need to sort out what's going on here in Branshire and the regions around it. Take out the hot feet here, then take the fight to Brightport if need be. But we can find our leads here. We can get the might of Branshire behind us if we can just... Restore order here. That coward didn't even beat me. He had somebody shoot me. You were dead to rights. No, I didn't lose. Whatever. I'm not accepting that. We find Brianna, and then we save my sister. I can get behind that. Yeah, we need to find Misk. She's not going to be killed, that's for sure. What they will do, I can't say. But they won't kill her. <laughs> Misk will survive any torments they have. There's nothing on this plane will amount to what we can do. Saul gets like a half cocky grin about it. Jeez, Saul. And then he also kind of walks over the direction where she went and is, uh, mm-hmm. whenever no one can see him, he definitely loses his cocky grin. Yeah. He cries a single tear. 
Probably cries more than a few. He just doesn't let other people see him. As he looks into the wind. Hmm. So, Hello, the, darkness, my old friend. To the <laughs> three of you, um, what's your plan? What are you going to do right now? I think we the horses are exhausted, but we could walk beside them. They'll still lead us in the right direction, right? You go and the three of you look at the horses. You know, Brackle, maybe you're stepping over and looking at the horses since that's like a thing that maybe a ranger might would do in this situation, right? I want to go check the horses and see if they still got any juice in them. Okay. So you go over and you examine them. They have had half an hour's rest. They definitely look tired, but they don't look incapable of carrying the three of you at this point. Before, they seemed worse off than they do now. This rest has really helped them. Well, it hasn't helped us. That's very true. It ruined our spirits and our health points. Both of those things. You two almost died. Yeah. That's true. Things got hairy. But all the hot feet are going to actually die. <laughs> One day. One oh, day yes. they all will die. Yes, they will. In season three. Dun, 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 dun. Jorg will challenge all of the hot feet at once. Oh, Willie. Yes. Uh, and then Brackle will shoot them with arrows in the face. He refuses to admit he lost. I noticed that. To the shiv. I could see how Cure could make a case that it was an unfair fight. You got shivved, bud. Brackle says he thinks the horses could take you all. I'll fight him. Or do you? Did you say that? You didn't say that, did you? I just told you. I just said I want to. I'm just going to look at the horses, see if they got any juice. And you okay. were like, Brackle's going to tell you this. And I'm like, I didn't say that. Okay, y'all got <laughs> the horses can't take me. <laughs> you think they could probably take you guys? You you could ride them. They can't take me. I think the horses can probably take us. What are we going to do with Misk's horse? Take it with us. Eat it. Eat it. Take it with us. Saul goes over and gets on his horse and ties Misk's horse to his. Mm -hmm. Let's go. I'll put one foot on Misk's horse and one foot on mine. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. You guys begin to allow the horses to direct you toward... Wherever you're going, right? Yeah, where are we even going, guys? Who even knows? Like, I don't even know. I didn't write anything past this, so... Who even are we anymore? You all mount your horses and head down this hill that you're on. The sun is still up. It's not... It hasn't set completely, but it has begun its descent, and it's getting pretty late in the afternoon now. You're looking at 4 or 5 o'clock in the evening, and you all allow the horses to lead you on the path the same as you had up to this point. You go over the rolling hills of this region. You're still crossing over what seemed to be mostly grassland, some farms, things of that nature. And you ride along, you ride along, and the sun is slowly setting behind you. And the horses, they head in essentially one straight direction. And as you guys are riding, it's, it's heavy on you. It's not easy to leave someone behind. Georg, mm. no doubt, is reliving everything that happened in the fight before trying to think about what he could have done differently, everything. And after a while, as the sun is really starting to reach the horizon, you all spot someone up ahead on horseback looking roughly in your direction. And as you all crest a hill, you see this person a couple hills away and they turn and look towards you. And they begin to wave. I throw an axe at his hand. Oh my okay. God. I'm just kidding. I don't do that. Okay. Saul uh, spurs his horse in that direction with a, okay. a dagger ready. 
Okay. You all follow suit? Yes. Yes. But he doesn't have a suit, so I don't know why we're following. Okay, so uh, you all ride toward him, and you go that way. He comes toward you some as well, coming down the hill that he was perched upon. And Brackle, as you all get close enough, you recognize this person. Uh, it's your cousin. Jim? Jim! Yes. Oh, my God. No, it's not. It's your cousin, Jim. <gasps> Brackle says, cuz! Oh, hey, Br- hey, Brackle. You all see this guy. He's slightly above average height, like brown hair and a short beard. Brackle, you and, you and Jim... I like the beard. You weren't, like, super-duper close, you know? But... Yeah. You definitely, you know, because, I mean, you're Brackle. But in this moment, you immediately feel ease due to the fact that you see such a familiar face, someone that you grew up around. You know what I mean? Jim, it's good to see you. Uh, how's uh, how's your parents? Uh, everyone's, everyone's good, Brackle. Doing good. How are you? Even the elf? What? Well, he's half elf. You're talking about, you're talking about it's not Jim a little cart. <laughs> It's J-I-M Jim. That's not a real person. You're welcome, Alan. I like the tattoos. <laughs> you officially have a cousin named Jim, so please. <laughs> Yay! So, uh, I didn't uh, I didn't know that you were in this group, Brackle. Um, I didn't expect myself to be in this group, but here I am. I think it's a good crew, perhaps, to... Take on this this threat. So, what what brings you here? I didn't expect to find you out here. Well, they uh, they sent me out to to meet the. Well, they said there would be four or five, possibly even of you. Uh, Too soon. He stops and looks at Kjorg and Saul. And he reaches his hand out towards you, Saul. The name's Jim. Hello, peasant. <laughs> hmm. And he doesn't take his hand. He just looks at him viciously. Okay. Uh, and uh, your uh, All right. So, uh, it's Jim, he says, reaching a hand out toward you, Kjork. Ah, hello, Jim. I'm the people's champion. Mm, nice to meet you. Um, so, were there not four of you or five? Did, did you all encounter trouble on the road? Trouble? Yes. Yes, we encountered trouble, Jim. Where are your allies? The hot feet came and they took my sister. Hot feet. The hot feet. Those, like the the gang, the halflings. Yeah, Jimmy. It's Jim, but yeah, uh, I was sent to meet you all and lead you back to, well, the base. I guess you could say, to meet our allies. Big boss. What base? And naked snake. <laughs> Big boss. What base? Mother base. Base of what? <laughs> Base may not be the right word. Look, I just, I'll, I'm going to take you all there. Uh, take us to ground zeros. They sent me here to meet the four of you, but, I, so these hot feet, did they, did they kill one of your friends? No, they took her. Took her. Took her how? Like, like kidnapped her? We, uh, we failed to keep them, but she's their captive for now. I have hopes she might escape. She's uh, a crafty one. Apparently she's done it before, but... Either way, we're going to kill every single one of them later on. As you should. Yes, I mean, that's that's the way of things. Somebody gets kidnapped, you murder, not the kidnapper, the kidnappers. Just right. straight up murder them all in the face. Yes. I mean, you got to do what you got to do. Especially if they attack you, like they did me. Right. 
Yeah, I can see you've got a lot of blood on you. Are you feeling okay? I, I'm good. Are you? I'm good. I just... You sure? I could use a rest, but I don't know that that's prudent right now. We need to we need to take care of business. Yeah, the sun's getting pretty low. Um, take care of business. Sun's getting low, big guy. You all can follow me if you'd like. I'll take you back toward the base. Let's go to the base. Thank you, Jimothy. Let's get Brianna so we can get out of here. He turns and begins to lead you all farther along. And, you know, you go over the hills, go over the hills, come to a point where you come upon a sort of forest. It's not like a huge forest, but it's a pretty decent little sized set of trees right in the middle of these fields. And he just turns his horse and begins to lead you all right into this forest. There's no road inside where you guys are coming in from, but after a short time, you come upon a small beaten path. It's not a heavily traveled road. It doesn't look like people are coming in and out daily by any means, but it is a decently well-trodden path through the forest. You all travel along that way. You're riding your horses, and it's getting darker, and it's getting darker. It's not dark outside yet, but it is approaching that dusk point. You know what I mean? Brackle, you're, you're just starting to get to the point that it's harder for you to see long distances in this light. You understand? You're riding along, and then you come upon a gate. And it's open. Uh, there's two sides to the gate that are open on both sides. And they are connected to a large, like, 20-foot-high fence. Solid. Hard to see through. You know what I mean? So Brackle looks at it and says, wow, this, this gate's open on both sides. I've never seen a gate like that before. Go on, Just hang up, Alan. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just... I wasn't sure what was up with that description. It's like two doors. <laughs> On the left and the right, there's both doors are still oh, open. Okay. I was thinking like double gated. The, the way you go like the inside yeah. and the outside. <laughs> like, yeah. Okay. I was like Yeah, I mean, is it Always gates like okay, that? Okay, no. I'm saying the doors are swung out on the both sides, the left and the right. That's what I meant to say. That's how I meant it. <laughs> I see now. But thank you, Alan. <laughs> thank you. Uh, you all, he just continues forward. You all follow? Yeah. I follow. Yep. The fence is along both sides of you. It's only about 15 feet wide, this path that you're on now with this large 20-foot fence on both sides. And as you guys travel a little deeper in, you begin to hear these strange noises occasionally coming from the other side of the fence. It sounds like some sort of a creature, some sort of an animal, but it's it's unlike anything that you all have ever heard. Uh, you're not sure what it is, but you're also not sure if the fence is meant to keep something out or what it is. Did you all travel on the path, travel on the path. Chicken woman duck thing waiting for us. Exactly. Waiting in the bushes of love. So you roll on. After, I want to say, a good half mile, maybe more, you reach a point where the road opens up. The fence just spreads out to either side. And you all are entering into what looks like a mixture between a farm and like a military encampment. You see off to the southeast a large barn built from logs and rough hewn lumber with a thatch roof. You see uh, between the barn and the road, there are a lot of people, dozens of people, uh, mostly humans and halflings at a quick glance as you all roll through on your horses. And they look at you, and some of them might even wave at Jim, but most of them don't do much more than give you a passing glance, and then they go back to business. And their business is, right now, they seem to be sparring. You see a lot of, like, swords clashing and swords and shields, some people with spears. It looks like people training for battle, and you're riding through. 
Hmm. Saul is looking over them with a general's eye. You say anything? No, not initially. He uh, fights back the urge to jump down and scold a captain because they obviously have no idea what they're doing, but... Right, which, you know, Saul may look at the best trained soldiers in Monumi and think that, but just a quick glance at these people, you can tell that most of these quote-unquote soldiers that are practicing with these weapons look like they've never handled a weapon before. They are definitely very green and very unsure of themselves. They're using rakes and brooms and shovels. No, they're using weapons, but they definitely look like standard-issue, rudimentary, quickly-made weapons. Cured. They're using beaver sticks. I'm pretty sure that that guy is using a mop as a sword. He is. I saw it with my own two eyes. Brackle, looking around, you see a few faces here and there that you recognize. Hey, Jalil. <laughs> no. <laughs> now, for every few that you see that are familiar, that you know actually from Branshire, there are quite a few Branshirings here. But for every one, there are at least two or three that you don't recognize. That doesn't mean they're not from Branshire or that they are. But, you know, there's a lot of people that you don't recognize, but there are some that you do. I recognize a lot of these people. Some I don't, but some I do. <laughs> wow. Can the guy who was using the mop to train with, can his name be Mr. Clean? That. <laughs> Please. You all see the barn well, off to the southeast. You see these people lined up and these, like, roped off areas where they're training you see some people completing like uh, obstacle courses and different things you know working out in different ways Branchar ninja warrior exactly you go on a few more yards and off to the right up ahead you can see there's some other small buildings and things like a it looks like like a hay barn or things like that different things along the way but you see up ahead a pretty large two-story house. It looks to be made in the fashion of like a log cabin with a black roof made with care. It's, it's not grand or, or lush, but it looks like it's well-kept, you know. At the front of the house is a roofed wooden porch with a swing off to one end, like a porch swing. Standing on the porch as you all come riding up and uh, Jim leads you up and then dismounts his horse, standing on the porch... Leaning against an upright wooden beam is a familiar face. There's a tall, thin man with black hair peppered with just a little bit of gray, wearing a dark gray shirt with a black vest, black pants, and on his hip is a long rapier bearing the golden son of Pelor on its hilt. Welcome, friends, to our resistance. Resistance. I would be careful who you call friends, friend. Also, why are you here? Aren't you not supposed to be here? What do you mean? Why shouldn't I? I'm, I'm not sure who you are or who I am anymore or what, where we are or what we're doing. A couple of you look to be in pretty rough state. What uh, what happened? Did you have some trouble on the road? You sent us on a, a fool's errand. You sent us into the depths of the hot feet, and now my sister has been taken by them. Your sister, Misk? No, my other sister. She's been taken by the hot feet? Yes. When did this occur? We received a message from Hovenkel just a few hours ago that you all were supposed to be coming. It's only been an hour or so. They rode off in the other direction. There was too many of them. They took her? Yes. Why? Why her? What, what did they want with her? It was the Shiv. Mm, that's a name I've heard. Perhaps Kjorg could better answer that question. Please, won't the three of you come inside? 
Saul gets down. I go inside. I also do that. You all dismount. Uh, Jim kind of claps you on the back, Brackle. He says, go get some rest, Brackle. Brackle nods. He nods back and grunts. Mm. Brackle doesn't grunt. He does disapproves of such blatant displays of emotion. Gosh, oh, my gosh. <laughs> After he grunts and he sees the condescending look on your face, he just lowers his head and walks away. Yeah, he knows. He knows. So this mysterious figure, he turns and he opens the door for you. Please, let's let's go inside. We can discuss. Well, we have much to discuss. Yes. Yes, we do. So the three of you step inside and he shuts the door behind you. And you are now inside this nicely kept log cabin, like I said. Off to your right, there are a number of sitting chairs, some comfy sitting chairs. You know, nothing fancy, but... You know, serviceable, no standing nice. chairs? No standing chairs. There are no chairs that are standing. There are a few of these sitting chairs over there around a large fireplace. At the back, there's a big opening with double swinging doors. So it's like you're in a big sort of like a den, you know, like a sitting room. To your left side, there's a table, not a large table, but like a medium-sized kitchen table, probably seat five or six people comfortably. And off to the right, you've got these chairs seated around the fireplace. And there, seated in one of these chairs, is an older man dressed in like a rough wool shirt, probably tan. He looks strong as though he's accustomed to hard physical labor with defined features. He looks up from a book that he was reading when you all walk in. Hello there. Uh, we've been expecting you. Expecting me? He stands to his feet and walks toward the three of you. Yeah, that's right. Uh, my name is John Varick. Welcome to my farm. Well, I reckon it's still a farm anyhow, even with the uh, little army that's living in my barn. Hello, peasant. I don't know that I would call that an army. Well, little, anyhow. Please, have a seat. Make yourselves at home. Zahn? Saul takes out a cigar and lights it. Sits down in the seat. Would you all like something to drink, perhaps uh, a meal, some food? I think we still have some left over from supper. If, you would, uh, if you'd like to have a drink, I'm, I'm sure we've got plenty. Plenty of bourbon. I'll take bourbon. And how dare you offer leftovers? Sorry, son, but we actually don't, uh, we don't drink here, actually. Alcohol, that is. Liquor. I go grab a chicken leg and smack him in the face with Saul it. Saw blows smoke in his... <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> he smacked Saul uh, in the face with it? Yes. Uh, Saul blows smoke in his general direction. <clears throat> well, I, I suppose if you want to dr- smoke in here, that's fine, but you can't be blowing it in my face like that, son. It's That's rude. Have some uh, some some manners. You ain't from round chair, are you? <laughs> Saul looks at Kjorg and he looks at Brackle. Who is this fool? Haven't you ever heard to blow your smoke out the screen door? And two, it's also rude to inhale his smoke. That's not your smoke. Yeah. Look, this is all very interesting, but I I, I would like to know more about what it is that occurred on the road and why Misk is no longer with us. Is she in danger? Yes. Sit down. I'll tell you. Okay. From what I can gather, Misk at some point worked for the hot feet. And so did this half work here, Georg. I didn't work for him. Misk worked for the hot feet and owed a debt, and was running. They found her. They took her and spared our lives in exchange of more bloodshed. I tried to stop them, but they cheated me out of a fight. Uh, I likewise tried to stop them, and, yeah, that's all I'll say. 
I can see that the two of you are covered in blood. Mm-hmm. Is that is that your own? It's most of it. Most of it. Some of it's from that badger I killed in frustration. <laughs> what did that badger do to you? <laughs> what did that badger ever do to you, Brackle? I, I was hungry. <laughs> just kill the badger. Just eat it. Okay. So Misk was working for the hot feet. Some men are yes. No. And she agreed to go with them? In exchange for our lives, yes. I see. So your sister sacrificed herself for the three of you. She's not dead. She's not dead. We're going to go get her. I'm going to challenge all of the hot feet. Well, perhaps she'll escape. I mean, they can't keep her. She is clever enough. Yes, that's my expectation is that she'll escape and then we'll all go together and murder every single one of the hot feet in their sleep. Yes. Mercilessly. Maybe not in their sleep. Maybe we'll wake them up first. In a bloodthirsty rage. Well, (laughs) not only did she sacrifice herself, there was some sort of magic. Magic. They used some of her blood to sign a contract. She signed a contract in her own blood. Yes. Is that a problem? That is dark magic. (laughs) You do not know dark magic. I'm not unfamiliar. Your sister may have a bit more trouble than simply breaking away. She needs to listen to Kelly Clarkson. I was waiting for you to make a Kelly Clarkson reference. I was just literally just sitting here not saying anything until you made your Kelly Clarkson reference. I noticed that. So that we could move on. That's Sorry, amazing. but I don't get this reference. <laughs> Break away. One day, I'm going to make a smash cut of every song Alan has ever sang on this podcast and just publish it as an episode. And then everyone that ever subscribed <laughs> will probably just <laughs> Because they're they're always like that one. Just <laughs> Exactly. Not always. They'll love it, though. They'll be like, give us more of that. Yep. Then I'll cut a now. That's what I call Alan music, volume D&D. <laughs> oh, that's what I call Alan. Oh. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that really got me. Okay. <laughs> I'm afraid that um, there's not much we can do for her now. I'm sure that the three of you have a lot of questions for me. Who are you? I don't know that we do. I don't know your importance here. I'm looking for one Brianna. I sent you all on this quest to go and to encounter the hot feet to find out what was going on with those teleportation devices that they were using, whatever strange magic that was. And also, I won't lie, I had hoped that you all might cause some trouble for them. And it sounds like you did. I hope that that's not directly related to the fact that Misk has now fallen into their clutches. It is. I mean, indirectly. No, it's directly. They weren't coming after Misk, but they were coming after us because we threw them all off a cliff and then rescued this Jupiter lady who was working for him. Jupiter. And so they wanted blood. Juniper was her name. Mm. Jennifer. Juniper. Jennifer, right. Right. So is Brackle an idiot? Like, is is Brackle an idiot? (laughs) (laughs) No. I just want to know. He's just got a charisma minus one. (laughs) Okay, so names. He can't remember names because they're not important. Terrible with names. Exactly. Okay. (laughs) He he, he does remember names, just not... He, he, he tends to be adjacent to the name. Here's what I know. The hot feet are making teleportation vials 
and selling them. And whoever took the Lady Brianna has bought some of those. So I have some pertinent information about that. And as he's saying that those double doors behind you that are separating this room from the next, they swing open. And uh, stepping into the room is a tall figure, probably about 6'3", 6'4", wearing a black robe. He's got shoulder-length blonde hair. He has like a very angular jawline and sharp features, pointy, pointy ears. He walks straight-backed, putting off an air of regality, maybe just a little bit of arrogance. Saul doesn't like this guy already. Stepping in, he stops, takes a look at the three of you. Well, Zon, I assume that these must be your agents from Devil's Pass. Welcome to the Resistance. I'm no agent but my own. And Saul stands up. I, please, sir, forgive me. I, I did not mean to offend you. My name is Uranus Galadir. Welcome to the gathering of the Anorians. He gives you a slight bow. Nice to meet you, Uranus. <laughs> What did you call him? <laughs> what did you call him? <laughs> yeah, Uranus. <laughs> Hold on. I'm, gonna, I'm keeping that. <laughs> uh, he, he's mid-bow when Kyori says that. He pauses for a bit. It's Uranus. Oh. Oh, sorry. He means to say... Ron. <laughs> Ron. <laughs> However, who are you, Elv? Why? <laughs> I just heard his He's name. Ron. <laughs> I know. He literally just said I that. I'm a Ron. Are you the leader of this <laughs> resistance? Hold on, like, let Jeffrey pull it in. He's got he's to get it out. <laughs> He's got to get it out. He's he's killing it. <laughs> okay. It got me too because he said, "Who are you?" <laughs> right after he said, "Who are you?" I am Aronis. Who are you? Uranus. <laughs> I am Aronis. I am Aronis Galadier. Who are you? <laughs> okay. Aronis. We know your name, but who are you? <laughs> but like, but like, who are you? Are you the leader of this resistance? The leader of this, not exactly, but I do consider myself a person of importance um, in our goal of inciting change in the world. This is a gathering of the Anorians. And when he says that, the gentleman with the paylor marked rapier, who you now know and have heard him referred to now as Zahn a few times, he says... Aronis, please, none of the dramatics. We are a resistance. That's the simplest way to put it. I, I, it's simple. We are trying to right some wrongs. And I believe that the, well, now, I suppose the three of you might be able to help us in doing just that. Where is Princess Leia? And then the door swings open one more time. Okay. Stepping into the room is a woman of about medium height. She has green eyes. Her strawberry blonde hair is pulled back into a ponytail. She's wearing simple but well-made riding clothes with a brown leather vest and a pin right over her heart with the son of Palor on it. Brackle, you immediately recognize her. It's Brianna Solaren. My lady. Your lady? 
What do you mean? And he's like taking a double take back and forth between Zahn and her and Brackle. It's it's Brianna. And then he steps forward and says, are you well? Brianna? Did he say Brianna? Uh, wait, what's this guy's name that we're we're working for right now? Zahn. Zahn. No, 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 no. The guy from Branchar. Zahn. I thought he was the farm guy. No, that's John Varig. That's John Varig. Oh. Zahn. Wait, which one's Jim? Zahn, we here. found Brianna. <laughs> <laughs> now give us your money. Okay. Where's my fence? Yes, Brackle, it, it's... It's me. Saul steps up beside him and gives a sly bell. Lady Brianna, it is a pleasure to meet you. I am Satsaurus of the Nine Hills. I have come to rescue you, oddly enough, from one of your own. And he turns back to Zahn and goes, I knew I couldn't trust you. By the way, payment is due immediately. (laughs) Hello, everyone, and welcome back another episode of Make Believe Heroes. This is our first episode during this stint that we're recording without Felicia, and she is heavily missed. But don't worry, we'll make sure that she doesn't stay away from these microphones for very long. Before we get into all of the business, let me just take a moment and thank everyone for listening, and thank you all for all of the reviews and the shares on Twitter and Facebook and everything that you all do to help us out. That is such a big help to us. It helps spread the word. We're trying to grow our audience and our fan base, and the absolute best way to do that is for all of you that love our show and talk to us on Twitter or leave us those five-star reviews or email us that you tell your friends. I know you guys are doing that, so thank you very much for doing so. If you're listening and you haven't reached out to us or you haven't started following us on Twitter or on Facebook or gone to our website, you should do that right now. Just, you know, pause the show, go follow us on Twitter, go follow us on Facebook. Finally, hop on iTunes or on Stitcher's website and leave us that five-star review. And that goes a long way toward helping the show as well. Thank each and every one of you that goes out of your way to help us. We can never repay you, but we're going to try by creating awesome episodes. Speaking of awesome episodes, I'm sure you all want to get back to this one. Hmm. There seems to be something tricksy going on here, doesn't there? So I don't want to take too much time, but I do want to mention a couple of things. First of all, I want to give a big shout out to our friends over at DiceEnvy.com. If you are looking for if you're looking for a new set of dice, some beautiful metal dice or acrylic dice, whatever you need, you can find it at DiceEnvy.com. And if you click the link in our show notes and use the code heroes at checkout, you can save 10% off of your order from Dice Envy. So why not treat yourself? It's February, you know, buy that beloved one of yours, a new set of dice for the gaming table for Valentine's Day. Or, you know, if you're single and you're just living that single life, why don't you just treat yourself, buy yourself a beautiful set of dice from DiceEnvy.com. They would love to have your business and those dice need a home. Okay. If not you, then who? Speaking of Dice Envy, we have a beautiful set of white and gold dice that we are ready to give away to one of our listeners. We're going to be drawing for that next Monday, so entries close at midnight on Sunday, February the 24th. And all you have to do to enter your name into the drawing is send us a question on Facebook, Twitter, or through email. We've already gotten quite a few questions, and we're looking for more. For MISC, we're going to be doing a special Behind the Player episode for Felicia. 
And if you would like to send any sort of D&D-related question, MISC-related question, or just anything at all you'd like to ask Felicia, then send it to our email or on social media, and we will put your name down for the drawing in just a week. So if you want to win these free dice, get on that, send those questions in, and we'll get that behind the player episode to you very soon. I would be amiss not to give a shout out to BattleBards.com, the awesome website that creates all of the fantasy and sci-fi role-playing music, soundscapes, and sound effects that you need for your gaming table. Go to BattleBards.com right now and use the code MBHPODCAST to get 15% off of a BattleBards Prime subscription. Why not give it a month, check it out, add it to your table. I guarantee your players are going to absolutely love you for it. They're going to sing your praises. So we've had a few emails come in asking a lot of questions about you know what we've got going on in MBH, what we've got coming up. Pretty soon, we're going to be sending out some surveys and some questions through our mailing list. Uh, these questions will regard things such as merchandise. Possibly, we're, we're bouncing around the idea of doing a Patreon. I know a lot of podcasts launch out the gate with a Patreon. We didn't really feel comfortable doing that. You know, we don't want you guys to ever feel like you're having to pay or give really anything for what we're giving you. We're creating this show for you and for ourselves because we love it. So we didn't want to get muddled up in all of the monetization. What we really want is for this show to just be able to sustain itself. So we're looking at ways that we can make that happen to bring in enough of a small cash flow for the show that it can pay for itself. So we're looking at ways we can do that and also that we can get sweet merch and additional content into the hands of our fans. So if you would like to be involved in that creative process, all you need to do is go to our website, scroll down, and put your email in to subscribe to our mailing list. We'll be sending that stuff out very soon, and we're excited about that. I don't want to take much more time, but I do want to give big shout out to a couple of fans who went out of their way to leave us five-star reviews. So first of all, we have an updated review from XX Zach Blaine XX. This is from February 5th, entitled It Keeps Getting Better. Season two has begun, and let me just say I am loving it. This podcast has continued to deliver over time. I can't wait to see where the story goes next. The audio quality is excellent. Being family friendly is a fresh take on an actual play DD podcast. Fans of Sneak Attack and The Adventure Zone will enjoy MBH. Keep up the good work. That is some good company for you to place us in, Zach. I really appreciate that. And we do work hard to keep it family-friendly, and we work extra hard to make the audio high quality. So thank you for that feedback and for taking the time to write that review. You're awesome. The second one comes from Captain Weeble, titled, Enjoyed It From The First Episode. I just finished binge listening to Season 1 and loved it. The first D&D podcast I listened to was The Adventure Zone, and when I got caught up there, I struggled to find one that did as good of a job captivating my interest. MBH is really different from The Adventure Zone, but still a lot of fun to get caught up in. The adventure was enough to get my interest from the first episode. The production quality is good from the beginning. Captain Weeble, thank you so much for those kind words. Again, putting us in the conversation with The Adventure Zone. Those guys are big time over there. We're just small potatoes over here with uh, Make Believe Heroes, but we greatly appreciate you taking the time to listen. I'm so glad that our story captivated you. That's definitely something that I think about. You know, Is our show really that captivating, or is it one of those where you listen to the first episode, and then you're like, eh, maybe I'll listen to the rest sometime. I know that that happens. There are a lot of podcasts out there, so it's great to hear that our show is really hitting that mark for you. I'm curious how it was binge listening, because, you know, this has taken over a year for us. Maybe I should do that. 
Anyway, that's enough talking for me. I know you all are ready to get back to it. Let's find out what's going on with Brianna, with this resistance and this bait and switch that they seem to have pulled on our crew. Zahn is leaning against the wall, his legs sort of crossed over the other. He's just kind of got a smirk on his face, a little bit of a grin. Like, he's been waiting for this moment, I guess. Like, he's been in on a joke, you know? Brianna turns to you all, and she says, Please, don't don't be upset. This was, this was my idea. And I'm very thankful that the three of you have decided to help us in this task. It is... It's of the utmost importance, and I am I'm very sorry, Brackle, for all of the the misleading, all of the the sneaking, if you will. It's it's not really my way, but it, it was necessary. Hmm. I, I would love to explain myself. Perhaps you should, my dear. The explosion that day, the first day of the festival, just a few days ago now, that was all a ruse. Unfortunately, it got out of hand. We we had it set up, and there wasn't supposed to be hardly anyone in the house. Everyone was supposed to be out of the house. It was the festival. But because of my brother-in-law's um, doings, he had required some of them to be there, and I did not know it. Uh, I was already gone by the time that uh, that we set the house ablaze. And I'm very ashamed and... Um, I have been greatly distressed over the fact that we put many of my friends, people that I've known my whole life, in danger. But it wasn't supposed to be that way. It was supposed to just be me, and it was just to get Braxton off our trail. Braxton? Do you know something? Is he... I've, I've suspected, but I've not proven. Is he behind the troubles we're facing? Zahn leans up off of the wall, and he says... Which troubles do you mean, Brackle? The hot feet being in Branchire, the the bad element that's come in, the ruffians, the Lelia was attacked in the alley. Like, this is not typical Branchire. And it's been slowly, or rather quickly, becoming worse. No, I, I, I... Well, yes and no. Braxton is responsible for the influx of many... Ne'er-do-wellers in Branchar. He has certainly invited types such as the Hot Feet into this fold, and it is no doubt due to his influence that they have become welcome in a place such as Branchar, which beforehand has been a very wholesome city. But he's not responsible for what's going on altogether with the Hot Feet. They are a cancer on this world, and we do intend to try and correct that in time. You've heard the the old saying, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. Gets the cheese. Oh. Not the cheese. Cheese doesn't go. No. Yes, I, I see what you did there. No, but here we are. Branshire, I believe, is in immediate danger. Immediate danger? From what? Brianna speaks up again. We believe that Braxentarek is... Well, no, we know that Braxentarek is using Branshire and using its people to line his own pockets. And within the year, Branshire will be bankrupt and probably worse. We have to stop him. He is going to tear down everything that my family has helped build over the centuries since Branshire was founded. We have to stop him. 
He's an evil man. Yes, 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 says the elf, who is now stepping forward with a sweep of his arm. It is most certainly important that we take care of this Braxton figure, but it is not because of his shady business deals. I have reason to believe that Braxton Tarek is not who he claims to be. Who he claims to be is pretty bad already. Who, who else could he be? I have reason to believe that I don't trust you, elf. Yes, one, one moment. Exactly why is it that you don't trust me, tiefling? I can taste it in the air when you walk in the room. I don't understand what that means. Exactly. You have some sort of a problem with me. You're both jerks. Just shut up. I am not going to stand for this sort of disrespect. We are trying to help you. Then sit down. I don't see how you're trying to help me. It sounds like you want me to help you. Have we not promised you? Promise me what? Are you going to rescue my sister elf? Gold. Gold. Does gold save sisters in this world? I don't know how. We just said that we would help. What? Didn't I? That we plan to attack the hard feet? That we're working toward that goal? Sit down. You have no idea of what you're speaking. Come on, come on. We're on the same side. Saul just crosses his arms and glares at the elf. That remains to be seen. Uh, it's Brackle, correct? That is correct. Brackle. I would like to submit that Braxentaric has lied about everything which he has spoken since he has first entered into the gates of Branshaw. He is not a lord from a small village to the northwest, as he claims to be. We can find no record of his true origin. He is a liar. He is a charlatan and a crook and a thief. And possibly worse. Who can say? There have been people that have gone missing. There are reports of human trafficking. He's a bad man. And we plan to rectify that. How do you plan to do that? It's simple, he says, looking around the room. We're going to kill him. As Kjorg, Saul, and Brackle made their way toward the base of the Resistance, a group of halflings rode slowly across the plains in the opposite direction. Misk, unsure of her future, distraught about everything that had just happened, sunk deep into her thoughts on the journey north. But she was brought out of her reverie by the gloating of the Shiv. Misk, I cannot believe my stroke of luck. I honestly did not expect to find you there. My goodness. When we return to Brightport in a few weeks, things are going to be really looking up for me. That's one thing I'm going to have to get used to. Yes, you might as well. You belong to me now. How does that feel? That's not what I meant. I meant listening to your voice. Ugh. I've went so long without hearing you, and now I have to hear you, like, all the time. It's annoying. Well, you might as well go ahead and deal, Misk, because now you are stuck with me, whether you like it or not. Where I go, you go. Hey, we might as well be married. Ha, get it? You still with the... What's her name? I already forgot your wife's name. She probably did, too, because she, you know... Hates her life because she's stuck with you. You know? Liana. <laughs> oh, yeah, Liana. Huh. How is she? I won't be goaded by you, Misk. 
So you might as well just go ahead and accept your fate. You're going to like it. I know right now you think everything is bad and you hate me or whatever. For some unknown reason, I never did anything to you. But you're going to like things back in Brightport. Things are flourishing. We've built a new fight club. We've got a brand new set of headquarters for the Hot Feet. We have grown significantly in just the short time since you left. It's a great time to be a part of our organization. What are you going to have me do? Am I just going to go back to what I did or, you know, you got special plans for me now? For now, for now. You'll sing for us, play. You really know how to draw a crowd. Announce some fights. You know, probably clean tables for us like you used to. All for free, of course. There's no reason to pay you now that I have this contract signed. Hmm. But it's like I said, Misk, eventually things will level out. Perhaps one day we'll be friends once again. Maybe. I know Charlie and Charlotte have certainly missed you. You know, that's probably the only thing I missed was those two kids. He opens his mouth to say something, but then he turns back forward, choosing rather to stay silent for a moment. Misk, tell me, what happened? Why did you turn so suddenly? It's like one day you just woke up and decided that you didn't want anything to do with me or my family. I thought we were friends at one time. We were. I'm not going to deny that we weren't friends. We got very close, and I got very close to your family. But I seen your work. I didn't know what I was getting into. I thought it was just, you know... You say that you you have seen my work. Yeah. I know why they call you the Shiv. And I know why you keep those daggers at your side. I know what you did to that young woman the night that we were going to go to Sebastian Blackfire's party. I know what you did to her. Leaving those two kids without a mother. Without anyone to take care of them. That's not on me, Misk. You were holding the blade, Shiv. So yes, it is on you. So what, you followed me inside? You forgot your papers. You said that's why you even came there. I was just trying to help. I was trying to be a friend. And then I seen my so-called friend kill a woman. Right in front of her kids. That changed everything and you were not someone I wanted to be close to anymore it was not even against your wife and your children because you know I love them dearly but what you did I could not be a part of that I left the nine hills to get away from most of that and I jumped right back into it unknowing Well, Misk, you might as well go ahead and get a stomach for it, because this world is not the happy-go-lucky perfect place that you, I'm sure, assumed it would be when you left your home in the Nine Hells. This is a dark place, and only those that are willing to take the power will have it. And I do not intend to be weakened by such musings. 
I'm sorry you had to find out that way, but it doesn't change the fact that you have cost me and my superiors a great amount of time, money, and people. Not to mention those innocents that you speak so highly of that lost their lives the night that you set our establishment ablaze. I guess I could do what you did and say it was your fault. I think that's enough banter for now, don't you? We have a journey, a long one ahead of us. How long is it going to take to Brightport? Oh, we're, we're not going to Brightport. Not yet. Where are we going? We have a stop to make some business to attend to in Branshire. Branshire? What do you have to do in Branshire? Your friend asked if I denied that the hot feet are moving in Branshire. We are. This is our opportunity to seize some new territory. Let's just say that we have an agreement with some influential people in Branshire. And we hope to turn that to our advantage. Come along, Misk. There'll be plenty of time for talking later. I mean, you're not going anywhere. And so the group rides on in silence toward Branshire. And Misk wonders what new wickedness the ship is bringing her into. And that is where we're going to end this week's episode. What? 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 A lot of things coming out right here. Brianna. She's coming out? You better get this party started. I'm coming up. All things being unveiled, uncovered, revealed. Find out exactly how. What? What? What's going on? What's going on, guys? I don't know. Misk is in the wind. Brianna is working with the resistance. Are we always Misk in the wind? Wow. All we are is Misk in the wind. It is right down the episode. We are only Misk in the wind. Close my eyes. Nothing lasts forever but the misk and sky. Okay. But to find out what's going to happen, what is this resistance all about? And are they really going to kill Braxton Tarek? Heck yeah. You'll have to tune in in one week for episode 17 of Make Believe Heroes. Thank you so much for listening. We love you. I love you. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. We miss you. Who are you? Okay. Tell me who are you? You. Please, God, can we get through this episode? We got to finish this. Oh, I'm a little lightheaded. Were we supposed to be serious this episode? (laughs) We have had plenty of seriousness. We've done. You guys have done a good job. (sighs) <sighs> but watching Alan just slowly go fade away from the camera, I'm a little lightheaded. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to throw up. <laughs> okay. All right. Are you the leader of this resistance? He's a leader of a bunch. You know him well. He's finally back to, to kick, kick some, some tail. tail. <laughs>